Hello, and welcome to this PrimeMed podcast. This episode, we are focusing on staff utilization to reduce burnout. I am your host, Dr. Marion Montague. I'm a family nurse practitioner. Today, we have a special guest here to join us, Timothy Clark. I've invited Tim Clark as an experienced partner who is a continual improvement advisor at Connecticut Children's Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. Prior to his career in pediatrics, he worked at UMass Memorial Medical Center in Worcester, Massachusetts, where he served as an ambulatory manager of family medicine and clinical quality project manager in the radiology department. Tim has a bachelor's degree in business administration and also has a black belt in lean process improvement. Throughout his career, he has played a pivotal role in guiding healthcare institutions towards excellence, using methodologies such as Six Sigma and total quality management. Tim's unique ability to identify bottlenecks and implement sustainable solutions has made him a sought-after expert to improve healthcare quality. His success stems from the dedication to fostering a culture of continuous improvement, where employees are encouraged to provide input and make data-driven decisions. So I wanted to welcome Tim here today on this PrimeMed podcast. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about this important topic of how we can reduce burnout through the utilization of staff. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Marianne. I'm really excited to be here to join you and all of your listeners. Well, Tim, you know, clinician burnout is so prevalent and has increased, especially since the pandemic. Recently, I've been reading a lot about how can we improve our healthcare systems? How can we reduce burnout? How can we support our workforces? And one thing that I have seen so much about is the importance of effective communication. How it can not only help prevent burnout, but it has been found to increase productivity, staff retention, and staff engagement. So Tim, what have you found to be some of the biggest misconceptions about communication? That's a great question, Marianne. And you know, one way I can answer that is by perhaps sharing a personal story that I have about parenting. Uh, recently, I had a situation with my children, my daughter who's eight and my son who's six. It was really eye-opening and enlightening for me about how I can be a better communicator as a leader in a healthcare institution. So historically, any time that my wife and I would take the kids out anywhere, anytime we would get to some place, we would stop the car. And before getting out of the car, we'd always make a point to turn around, look at the children and say, we expect you to be on your best behavior today. And like most kids, they'd have their great days and some days they'd have their bad days. Well, a couple years into this, we were going to visit some family. We stopped the car. I turned around. And before I could say anything, my daughter said, I know, Dad, you need to be on your best behavior. And I paused. And I asked her a question. I said, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to you to be on your best behavior? And her response is what was really enlightening to me. She said, well, I don't know, Dad. It's just what you tell us to do. And I said, well, what does it mean to be well-behaved? And she said, I'm not sure. So the reason why I'm sharing the story is because it was very enlightening to me that 
I had always expected that she and my son had understood what it meant to be behaved. So what, what, we've under, what we realize is that the most common misconception about communication is that it's actually taken place. So in this instance, communication had not taken place between me and my children. In reality, all I had done was tell them something that they didn't understand. Now, if we think about this in our leadership roles or as clinicians, how often do we find ourselves telling people things without truly assessing their level of understanding about what it is that we want them to know or what it is that we want them to do? So I really find it very important that when you're communicating, we need to do less telling and we need to do more asking. Asking questions to assess the level of understanding is the way that we're going to make sure that we have effective communication. And as you said earlier, Marianne, effective communication is going to help reduce burnout. It's going to increase our satisfaction with the work that we're doing. It's also going to increase engagement with the team members that we work with. Wow. Thank you for telling that story. I can picture a child saying, this is what dad always says. Let me just repeat it. So he's pleased. But you know, when I relate that to clinical settings, we work as clinicians with support staff who are the front line. Often they know what we say, but always what we say doesn't match what we do. And that's where that asking and listening is very important. And then we also see times where we have these frequent meetings where we think we're communicating, but it's, it's not effective communication. So that brings me to a question. In institutions that I've worked in and in my current institution, I've seen where we have provider meetings and we have staff meetings. Why do we have continued issues if we're still regularly meeting as a team? That's a great question, Marianne. So let me ask you a question regarding these meetings. When you're meeting regularly, I'm sure it's a cadence of weekly or monthly, do you find that the team members who are participating in these meetings are engaged and there's two-way communication? Or is it most of the time a leader, a manager, or a director speaking to a group of people? Well, that's interesting. I would find most of the time it's a leader or director speaking to the group. And one thing I notice, it's, you know, the most input one would get is, hey, do you have any agenda items you want to add to what I'm already talking about? But other than that, I would say it's mostly a leader talking to staff. So the reason I asked that question is because when we think about communication, one way that we enhance communication is by having a forum by which bi-directional communication can happen. The old format for communicating information is a manager, a director, a leader, telling people what it is that they think the leader or the team member needs to know. When in fact, in the best organizations across the world, healthcare or not healthcare, team members who do the work conveying information to their leaders and their leaders conveying information back to them is one way that we can help increase our engagement with our team members, also can help reduce burnout. How often do we find ourselves saying the same thing over and over and over again? By having a means of bi-directional communication, we can reduce that from happening. And one way that we practice that in my current institution is through what we call daily management systems. 
daily management system is exactly what it sounds like. It's a system by each day we improve our communication through understanding what information team members need to know to get their jobs done that day. We talk about metrics. We share ideas for how we can solve problems. And also we recognize and reward our team members for the great work that we do. By having that forum for communication, it's going to make sure that the information that's being communicated is essential, which is if we have essential information being communicated, it's going to make sure that your team members are taking everything in, they're remembering what you're saying. If we're standing in front of them in a staff meeting, telling them information that's probably unrelated to the jobs they're doing, it's unlikely that they're going to retain that information. So a daily management system allows us to uh, have that forum for bi-directional communication. Okay. So this daily management system, how do you find that this system actually truly improves efficiency? Because does it to me, it sounds like it could be just another meeting. Yeah, that's a great point. So daily management system at its core is a forum for problem solving. A really robust daily management system will not only have communication of important information, not only will it have information about what we need to get our jobs done today, such as making sure we have the right equipment, the right staff, the right supplies, but it also can help us assess whether we're winning or we're losing. And what I mean by that is a daily management system can comprise of metrics that are important to the department, the unit, to the organization, and we can understand where we stand with those metrics. Are we meeting our metrics? If we are, great, let's recognize the team members for that great work and let's reward them. And if we're not meeting our metrics, why not? What do we need to do differently to ensure that we're achieving the metric that we've set out to achieve? In addition to that, a daily management system would include an idea system where team members could speak up, share their ideas about how they can improve the work that they're doing or improve the work for the clinicians or the leaders um, that they're interacting with every single day. What this does is it allows team members to solve problems real time it allows our team members to get involved in the problem solving so they feel more engaged. And one of the ways that we do that is through what we call standard work. Are you familiar with standard work, Marianne? So, so I'm familiar with standard work, but if, could you share like a good example of what standard work is and, and how it is impactful to clinics? The standard work, which is sometimes synonymously used with best practice, Standard work is the best way we know how to do a job today. And what standard work allows us to do is reduce variation in the work that we're doing every single day. Now, if you think about as a clinician, it's likely that you're working with different support staff every single day. Maybe you work with one medical assistant on Mondays, a different medical assistant on Tuesdays. Standard work ensures that those medical assistants are performing tasks that support you in the same way. If there was variation in how those team members were supporting you, it's likely that you're going to have gaps or waste in your work, which is gonna make it harder for you to accomplish your own tasks. It's gonna make it harder for you to provide more hands-on patient care. And it's gonna lead to burnout because you're going to have to do more in dealing with the variation in this work. So I'll give you a great example of some standard work we implemented in family medicine practice. We have a, a number of patients that came in for diabetic care in our family medicine uh, center. And to hit our quality measures, we had to do diabetic foot exams. Some providers were doing diabetic foot exams, some were not. 
And when we really drilled down to understand why not, it was because our, some of our medical assistants had been trained to import a note into our electronic medical record system and actually perform the diabetic foot exam and start the note for the provider prior to them coming into the room to see the patient. Whereas some medical assistants were not following that process. And the reason for this variation is that we didn't have standard work. Our team members didn't know how to do this. They weren't aware that this existed in our electronic medical record. So by developing that standard work, developing standard instructions, and by communicating and educating our medical assistants about that, we were able to make this a widespread uh, initiative at our health center. By doing this, not only are we assuring that all of our support staff are supporting all of the clinicians they work with in the same way, we were increasing the level of care we're able to provide to our patients. And in addition to that, our providers were able to start hitting their quality measures that we were otherwise lacking on prior to having this initiative in place. That's a great example of how standard work has, has worked for me in the past. So I appreciate you sharing that example. So I, as a clinician, I feel like I go in, in my practice, I'm fortunate to have a medical assistant I always work with. But what you're saying could help reduce my stress and my burden, as well as make my medical assistants more comfortable, is that when I come in in the morning and my medical assistant might be out ill or on vacation and I'm assigned a different medical assistant to work with, they wouldn't need to adapt to what I like and I wouldn't need to adapt to what their their likings are. We could just work together and it would be standard across the board that this is what we do for everybody. And then the other thing I take away from what you're saying is the quality measures. We all hear them. Sometimes we know the importance, we know the significance, we know the impact on patient care. But the reality is, how do we fit that into our day without burning us out? And from what I hear you saying can help come through standard work and also through our daily metrics management system is when we take time and realize what those gaps are, each staff can work to the best of their ability to help support each other. So if I know how my medical assistant does her workflow, then she can start my note and she can get things set up. But what I hear you saying is it can be smoother if we talk about these things and we huddle and we go over what needs to happen. Is that correct? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Marianne. Really what we want to do is make sure that when there's, there's some burning platform that we need to address, we need to work side by side with our support staff as to how we can best achieve that common goal. If, we, if we're using the example of quality measures, there are a number of quality measures that your support staff can help you with. These are things that they can do in lieu of the provider having to take on all of that additional work, which is, again, going to lead to burnout. But one of the biggest misconceptions that we find is that our leaders, our clinicians are telling the support staff how they need to do something. When in reality, the way that we should approach this is that we should work together collaboratively with the support staff through our daily management system to understand how it is we can achieve that goal. As a clinician, you should present your support staff with a problem and ask them, how do you think we can best address this? 
that's how we can come together to create that standard work, which is going to make sure that we're, we are addressing these quality measures, addressing these processes, and that all of our support staff are following the same standard. There's no variation in the work that we're doing. In addition to that, the benefit of standard work is that it enhances our training. So as you know, in healthcare, especially in our support staff roles, our nurses, our medical assistants and PCAs, we often find that there's a turnover rate that sometimes can impact our department or our unit. By having standard work in place, it can speed up the time that we're able to onboard and orient new team members to follow those same processes that we'd expect the others that have now left. So it's just another example of how standard work can be a, a really great help for any clinician, any leader, any director. So Tim, you know, as we discuss these things, I think about how much I love ice cream. But I do not love the flavor of the month concept that we often find in healthcare, where we try something today and we work on the diabetic exam. And then next month we're focusing on blood pressure and we don't try these different things. So how, what suggestions do you have for how we can get away from that concept? And then my follow-up question to that would be, how do we make these suggestions impactful to our day? Because as clinicians, when you hear this and we hear about meeting more frequently in daily management system, I think about how am I going to have the time for this in my already busy schedule? It's just another meeting. What do you think? It's a great question. Flavor of the month is a term that we use in our institution as well. And all too often, we try different things. We try it for a week, and then we throw it out or we never revisit it. So team members get very disengaged when they hear we're trying something new. With daily management system, it is a forum by which communication is taking place with our team members participating. If you are practicing this 30 to 60 days in a row, it's likely that your team will develop this into a habit. But the only way that we can help them do this to 30 to 60 days is if we have strong leaders, managers, or directors leading this initiative and demonstrating how important it is for them. Now, on the contrary, a daily management system can really be very empowering and engaging for team members. There's not many places you can go where team members have a forum by which they can speak up about a problem, they can come up with ideas about a problem, or they can know and assess whether they're winning or losing with achieving their metrics, either personally or within their team. If the team members are engaged, this will sustain itself. Now, the other thing I wanted to say about, about daily management system and tie it back to the standard work was that in full transparency, standard work is very helpful, but we cannot just create a document that's standard work distributed to everybody and expect to never revisit it again. We need to take our standard work to our daily management huddles. We need to talk through it. We need to understand, are we following this new standard work that we've just developed? If we are, great. How can we continue to improve the standard work? What other ideas do we have to make this better? But if we're not adhering to the standard work, if we're not following this, rather than just getting upset and blaming the person who's maybe not adhering to this, we need to blame the process and understand If we're not doing their standard work, why not? What is getting in the way? What are the barriers that we need to address that we can make this work in the way it was intended to? What do we need to alter or change to make this effective for everybody? 
daily management system allows that forum of problem solving and collaboration to happen every single day. When we think about these daily management huddles, we don't want this to turn into another meeting. It should not be one hour, two hours every single day. In reality, a daily management huddle should be five to 10 minutes. Let's communicate about the most important things. Let's solve problems and let's talk about our metrics. That's it. If you can do that five minutes every day, it's going to save you so much time down the road. Think about all the waste you have in your work every single day. Daily management system will remove that waste, come up with solutions to how you improve your work. Now you have, although 10 minutes extra on your day, you're saving hours a week in waste and gaps because of all the problems you solved. So although initially it seems like another thing, long-term, it's really going to impact uh, removing all of the barriers and all the waste that you experience every single day in your work. Well, Tim, thank you so much. I have truly appreciate it hearing your insight today that you've given us. You know, listening to what you've said, we understand the value of communication and how burnout has been so prevalent in our world today, especially in our healthcare systems. Um, As a clinician, I see the value in this daily management system. At first, I was like, oh, another meeting. But when you describe it as a targeted meeting to be productive to discuss our metrics, to see where our gaps are. And I'm sure it can be used in place of these long drawn out staff meetings and provider meetings that often are leaving us frustrated, feel like our time's wasted. And so I feel like as clinicians, we can take these insights back to our practices and look at what we're doing, but also thank you for the insight that this is not something we need to add all in one day, and we have to roll it out in a meaningful way. So thank you for joining us today, Tim. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you having me, Marianne, and I look forward to uh, collaborating in the future with you. Thank you all for listening today and joining us on this Prime Med podcast.